Hello and welcome back to Die KulturmittlerInnen Deep Dive, experts on international cultural relations. My name is Tobias Rohe, good to be back with you again. In this episode, we focus on China's cultural diplomacy. The People's Republic of China's rise as a global economic power can be seen as one of the most relevant events of our time, an event that challenges the cultural hegemony in world order. And with its recent emergence, China made deliberate efforts to advance its cultural influence and bolster cultural exchanges worldwide. But how exactly is China using its cultural diplomacy to achieve its ambitious national objectives? My guest today is Jimena Zapata, a specialist on China-Latin America relations and international cooperation in Latin America. She currently is a PhD candidate in political science at the University of Hamburg and the Giga Institute in Germany, and she holds a master's degree in international relations from Facultad Latinoamericana de Ciencias Sociales in Ecuador. Mrs. Zapata, it's a pleasure to have you here with me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you very recently published a study with the IFA research program Culture and Foreign Policy. It's entitled China's Cultural Diplomacy in a New Era of Multilateralism, and it deals with the case of the China Community of Latin American and Caribbean States Forum. We will be talking about that shortly, but before we look at China's engagement in Latin America, let's take a short look at China's cultural diplomacy at the multilateral level in general. What does China focus on here and how is China trying to achieve its goals? So China's cultural diplomacy of the 21st century aims towards ambitious objectives. Uh, Xi Jinping has called these objectives under the framework of major, major diplomacy. And what do we mean by it or how do I interpret these kind of objectives? I interpret that China is striving or is looking forward towards consensual hegemony. What do we mean by consensual hegemony? We mean putting into place a whole institutional architecture to replace the former old world order. And in this sense, in all these processes that will take years, we are in the very, very early stages of this whole process, culture is really important. Culture, cultural exchanges with many regions of the world, including Latin America, is important for the diffusion of values, ideas, and new solutions that mm -hmm. China has to propose. No? Okay, so I see that cultural diplomacy is related to these ambitious objectives. Another important point is that China's cultural diplomacy operates at differentiated levels. At the broadest level, we have what you have mentioned, no? the multilateral level. No? And in this sense, I see that China is applying many strategies. For example, with institutions that belong to the liberal order, for example, the UN, the United Nations, and all the agencies that belong to it, including the UNESCO, for example, which has Uh, this specific task no, of forging cultural exchanges. So China is applying, I could just mention, like shaping and engaging strategies. No? Then we have also at the multilateral level, new institutions that China has created, like under the initiative of China, for example, the BRICS alliance. Then we also have other type of regional forums that China has created with African countries, with Arabic countries, with Latin American countries. So 
And in all in all of these levels and in these like UN institutions, liberal institutions, China applies certain strategies mm-hmm. in the regional forums. It applies also like certain strategies considering the regional specific specificities of all the regions that I have mentioned. For example, let, let's take the case of the BRICS. No, mm-hmm. this BRICS alliance it's a new institution that was created basically with the push no, of China. We have to take into account that BRICS actually does not focus only on culture. BRICS alliance has other priorities, but China has really strengthened this cultural dimension within the BRICS. And how can we see this push? For example, China was in charge of the like organization, like of the leadership of the BRICS alliance in 2017. Now, and we see clearly that in this year. Many initiatives under the BRICS organization came into fruition. For example, we have like this BRICS alliance of national museums. We have this BRICS alliance of national galleries. We have under the leadership of China like many events that were organized in presence and online, like to forge cultural ties within the BRICS. Also, at the discursive level, for example, we also see that China's narratives are are always present within the BRICS alliance. For example, for example, in this initiative that I mentioned before, this BRICS alliance of national museums and also galleries, China wants to tell the story of the BRICS. This tell the story is really connected to also like this part of Chinese foreign policy that says, okay, let's tell the other narrative, let's tell the Chinese story, no? Yeah. So these same narratives are kind of like translated or adapted to the BRICS yeah. alliance. No? BRICS being uh, the alliance between Brazil, Russia, India, and South Africa. So China, you say, wants to give its interpretation of why this BRICS alliance was formed and to which end? Yes, I mean, well, yeah, we also need to understand that BRICS is not only about China, no, but specifically, like in the cultural dimension, we see that that China has put a lot of effort to link culture towards its ambitious goals, and then we also see this this link, no, with the BRICS and all these BRI initiatives, no, the Belt and Road Initiative, no, that all these narratives of the Belt and Road Initiative are kind of taken a little bit down to the level of the of the BRICS. So, so the message here is, is that the BRICS is another platform, another space for China to pursue ambitious objectives and to use culture as an aim to achieve what I interpret as gaining hegemony. I see. Yeah. And now let's get back to your recent study. There you focus on China's cultural diplomacy in Latin America. What is the aim of your study and how did you try to achieve them? Yeah, so a little bit of context here. I am a researcher who initially analyzed China and Latin America's relations from a political economic perspective. And I found that there was a gap in the in the analysis, in the literature. There was not much analysis in the realm of culture. Then I also was curious about how China tries to navigate, let's say, from the multilateral multilateral level to the more regional level. So my the aim, actually, of my study was to see 
China's cultural diplomacy, objectives, drivers, who are the actors involved, what are the initiatives in the realm of culture in the Latin American space, but not so much at the bilateral level, but at the regional level. And here we have this organization, the China CELAC Forum, uh, which was created, which was created in two thousand in two thousand fourteen. That's the China Community of Latin American Caribbean States. Uh, yeah, we, states exactly. We, we mentioned before. Yeah, mm. exactly. Uh -huh. So, so this institution is located, let's say, at an intermediate level. No, mm. so we have the multilateral, then we have like, the regional, where the the China Select Forum is, and then bilateral exchanges. So, I was curious on this inter intermediate mm. level. No, so in the first part of my research, I analyzed also. China's cultural diplomacy within the framework of these uh, multilateral organizations that we have mentioned. And then I go down to this level of analysis, the regional level. And I was particularly interested in this organization because this organization involves 33 uh, Latin American and Caribbean states. And before, before this organization, there was not a channel a regional channel between China and Latin America to forge cultural exchanges. So, yeah, the aim was twofold: mm -hmm. a systematization, okay, like what wh what is going on mm -hmm. in this in this organization, and then like what are the drivers? What is the relation actually between what's going on in this regional organization and the multilateral sphere? Like how. Uh, is China applying, for example, like the same strategies that it uses or the same initiatives that it uses in the BRICS, in other, uh, in Africa, for example? And is it just like applying in, in, the, mm -hmm. in the Latin American mm -hmm. context? So this, this was actually like my, my curiosity. Mm. And, and how did you go about it? Okay, then, yeah, the results of my research are very interesting because, well, okay, first we have to consider that China Select Forum was created in 2014. Previously, we have this China Forum with Arab Arab states and, and African states. The, uh, the one with Africa was created back in 2000. No? BRICS was created in 2019. So this organization with Latin America, this uh, China Select Forum, is one of the newest organizations, the newest like, platforms that China has created with Latin America. So I do see that China applies like many strategies that it has used in all these other platforms. No, China, China has gained already broad experience in the realm of cultural diplomacy. And I see that in the China CELAC forum, there are sub-forums, for example, the China and, and CELAC Think Tanks Forum, for example, many initiatives, like a sub-forum that gathers like young people from China and Latin America. But this is not this is not new. We have already found these initiatives in other sub-regional forums now. So China is kind of like, like replicating yeah. these kind of initiatives. Let's get back to the topic of, of your study. What about China's cultural diplomacy in Latin America itself? How would you describe its development through the years up to now? Yeah, it, it's a good question because uh, sometimes we tend uh, to think that uh, China's cultural diplomacy is, is something new. It dates back to China's very foundation, uh, 1949. So we, in Latin America, we have at least three phases. No? 
regarding China's foreign policy and by extension cultural diplomacy. So we have this phase that goes back to 1949 until the 60s where the objectives, the image that China had about itself is completely different from what we see now. No? So just to compare, no? in this very first uh, phase, the key of China's foreign policy was what China calls people-to-people diplomacy. The target in Latin America were groups, or like revolutionary groups, left-wing uh, mm-hmm. uh, parties, left-wing organizations, left-wing associations, and to gain what? To gain recognition from the international community, from Latin American countries. So, But it was a time when China was economically weak. Okay, if we compare right now China's status, China's cultural diplomacy in this 21st century, we see that China perceives itself at another level. It perceives itself as a great economic power, which has the ability to content hegemony, to content traditional powers, the the U.S. mainly. So in this sense, uh, China's cultural diplomacy of, of, of since 2000 is linked to certain objectives, no? project a positive image of itself, of China, project mm. a positive image. Then we have uh, another objective of creating certain narratives or telling the Chinese story or counteract, let's say, like narratives that come from the West mm and which China is not comfortable yeah, with. of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, yeah, we have other objectives, and this one is really important because China, through its cultural diplomacy, it aims to provide alternatives to developing regions, mm-hmm. like, okay, Latin America, Africa. There are problems regarding development. Problems that have not been fulfilled by the previous hegemon, mm. by the U.S. hegemony. Development is always there. It's always in in the problematics, in the discourse of these developing regions. So China kind of like tries to fill this void left by the, mm. the U.S. hegemony and offer alternatives among the most important ones, the Belt and Road Initiative. And since 2021, the GDI initiative, this Global Development Initiative, which was actually presented in the realm of the UN. Mm -hmm. Let's come back to the aforementioned China Community of Latin American Caribbean States Forum. You already gave an insight into that and what role it plays, but could you give a more detailed insight into the role this forum plays in the broader multilateral strategy of, of China? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the China CELAC Forum, as I said, is an important platform in the sense that it gathers 33 Latin American and Caribbean countries. It's a platform for exchanges in not only in the realm of culture, but in uh, politics, economics, energy. And I see that the China CELAC Forum is important and it is linked to China's multilateral objectives. First of all, because it's, let's say, it's a sister institution. It's an instrument for China. It's another it's another platform for China mm. to gain consensus on the solutions that I was already mm-hmm. like mentioning, on Belt and Road Initiative, these promises of development, yeah. <laughs> what I call yeah. them. So it's an important platform that is located at this in intermediate level, no? Mm-hmm. So, so once 
Okay, yeah, from okay, now I will talk like from the Latin American perspective. It is really difficult for Latin American countries to to take a stand on China. Uh, we see like very dispersed like bilateral like relations and in this sense like the China CELAC forum kind of like gathers like all like these bilateral initiatives that China and Latin American countries have been like proposing like throughout the years in the cultural realm. So it kind of like gathers like all these initiatives. But at the same time, it's a very flexible forum because China doesn't force like countries to take part in the cultural initiatives. Countries just can like take part on the initiatives that are convenient to them. So it's a really flexible approach that I see there. Mr. Zapata, before we come to the end, of this episode. Could you give us a brief outlook on how China's alternative to the Western hegemony would look like? Yeah, okay. Uh, it's a difficult question, yes. I see that, okay, first we have to understand that these uh, processes of hegemonic transition can take years. We are at the very initial stage. China is proposing alternatives to developing countries, but also like to core countries, which have not gathered enough consensus. In the framework of Latin America, for example, China is just in this stage of promoting these kind of solutions. No? But how do we see an alternative world order? It doesn't only depend on China. It depends on how China will forge alliances with developing countries, but also with core countries. With we, we don't know, actually, how the alliances will look like. Will there be an alliance with the US or with the European Union? How will these core countries will, will uh, reach consensus? Will there be consensus on the alternatives that, that China is proposing? So, yeah, I have more, more questions than answers in this sense. We don't know, actually, what... The formal like structure will look like we don't know like what the rules will be like we don't know like the values that will sustain like this whole institutional architecture that will kind of like replace let's say like all these liberal these institutions created by the UN what will we take like from this previous old world order and will everyone uh, like be happy about 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 these rules these new values. Jimena Zapata, thank you very much for these deep insights. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. And I certainly hope that you, our listeners, enjoyed this deep dive episode of Die KulturmittlerInnen. I would be very happy if you tuned in next time when I will be talking to more experts on international cultural relations. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, don't hesitate to share it with your friends. And to make sure that you don't miss out on future episodes, subscribe to Die KulturmittlerInnen right away. You can do that wherever you listen to the shows of your choice, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Deezer or Amazon Music. And while you're there, don't forget to listen to our regular episodes of Die KulturmittlerInnen with dozens of in-depth conversations on the topic of culture in foreign policy. That's all from my side. I say thank you for listening. My name is Tobias Rohe. See you next time. Mm -hmm.